Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Sam on, who is a buying agent. Hi, Sam. Hi there, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Happy it's uh, happy it's Thursday and it's actually getting a bit sunnier, so all going in the right way. I'm so excited that the, the sun's come out. I've got my summer dress on for the first time this year and um, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump straight in, Sam. Uh, do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yes, so um, I'm Sam Scott-White and I am a property buying agent. Um, I've been in uh, agency, let's say property agency, for the last 25 years. Um, Started out in London selling houses, um, came to the Cotswolds to sell houses and then I um, left um, estate agency, let's say, uh, 12, nearly 13 years ago to go onto the buying side. Mm. Yeah. So is that quite a common route then to go from estate agency into the buying side? Is that, uh, do you find that as a common route for, for most people in the industry? I think that it is the best route. Um, not everyone does that, but I think if you're a selling agent, you learn, I suppose you learn about how you sell the houses, how the conveyancing process works. Mm -hmm. Uh, You learn how to negotiate. You learn how to read people. You learn how to use the phone and to ring people to get viewings and all of that sort of stuff. Um, And I always think that when you're acting either for the seller or for the buyer, it's always useful to know about how the other side works. So this might sound like a really silly question, but what actually is a buying agent? Because I'd never heard of it until about a year ago. So um, a buying agent will act on behalf of the buyer when purchasing a property. So my job really is to source um, preferably off-market houses for my clients. So those are the houses that aren't necessarily on right move or prime location or on the market. And I will put those houses in front of my clients before they get onto those platforms and before other people get to see them. So how do you go about finding properties that aren't on the market? So, uh, well, there's different ways, really. But I mean, I would say that the the most common route is actually via the selling agents themselves. Um, You know, with um, higher end properties, a lot of um, people don't necessarily want to go onto the open market. So they will ask a selling agent to privately market their house just because they want to be a bit more discreet, maybe, or they don't want the foot traffic, or I don't know, they might have an ill relative or, yeah, or they just, just don't want their neighbours finding out. So there's different reasons as to why people go um, want to be privately marketed. Um, but I also get... A lot of people um, contacting me who want to sell their house um, and they potentially want to save on agents fees. So they think that if I have a buyer, a client who might like their house, that they don't necessarily have to pay the estate agents their fees, which isn't isn't necessarily the right way of going about things. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous doing it without a middle party, isn't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, my um, I I think that both sides should be represented. And if I'm acting for the buyer and I go and look at a house 
that uh, someone wants to sell and they don't have representation, I find it really difficult to negotiate with an owner when I'm trying to get the best price for my client and they obviously want to get the best price for their house. Mm. Yeah, but obviously without a specialist, how do they know what the best price is, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's it. Sometimes they guess, but sometimes they do get, um, you know, two or three agents in to value their house. And then they have an idea of what it might be worth. But, you know, I see between four and six houses every day. So I will go and look at that house. And my job when I was in a state agency prior to being a buying agent was to value houses. So I've been in the Cotswolds for 17 years, basically valuing houses. And part of my job as a buying agent as well is to make sure that we're paying the right price. And, And to do that, I need to know about values. So, you know, when I when I go and see someone who wants to sell their house, I'll have a pretty good idea of what it's worth. Um, but more often than not, they always want more than it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, is it fair to say that buying agents are for the upper part of the market, maybe? You know, people that are buying sort of uh, low to middle range homes or low to middle budgets probably don't use buying agents. Is that fair? Well, you say that, um, but mm, I mean, last year I bought for clients who had budgets of around 450,000. Okay. Um, uh, um, But you're right. Normally, I would imagine that people might think that sub maybe 800 or 900,000, you know, when you're looking at those sorts of levels and you're buying a house, you want all that money to go towards your solicitor's costs or your stamp duty, um, which are, you know, big costs when buying a house. And to pay someone like me, then money to find your house and to help you negotiate and to help you through the conveyancing process might not necessarily make financial sense. Um, But you'd be surprised as to how many people actually need a buying agent. I mean, we can save in normal in a normal market. We would probably be able to save our fee when negotiating anyway. I, I do think it's weird, actually. It's one of the only things that we buy as customers without representation on our side as the buyer, isn't it? True. About so, it. Yeah. so true. And, you know, um, you know, the sellers have representation always. They have a selling agent. Um, and I really strongly believe that if the sellers are being represented, then the buyers should be represented as well. Is it also a time thing? Obviously, people's lives are getting more and more hectic these days. Is it um, also they come to you with like a speck of what they want and you're able to do a lot of the legwork of finding properties for them with them not having to do that? Exactly. So, you know, um, I mean, I've got a lot of local clients, but I've got a lot of clients, obviously, who are coming either from London or who live abroad. Um, So what I do is I, you know, I go and visit the houses, I'll take lots of photographs, I um, send those photos to my clients, they get a really good idea of what the house is like, I'll get a pretty good idea of what the clients want anyway. So if I see a house that I think is going to suit the client, I'll just get them to come and have a look at it. Some of my local clients come with me on the very first viewings if that's what they want. Hmm. Other clients just sort of hang back and wait for me to send them, you know, the photos and for me to give them a synopsis of what the house is like. Um, The market at the moment is so fast moving that, you know, if you don't come out and look at a house, potentially, you know, in 48 hours, it's gone anyway. Um, But that's just an unusual market at the moment. I was going to say, I'm incredibly jealous of you uh, living and working in the Cotswolds. It's absolutely stunning down there. 
we're really lucky. Um, it is really beautiful. And I sometimes feel like, you know, we live in a bubble. You know, I moved out of London 17 years ago and I love going back to London and I love going to see my either my friends or to go for lunch dinner or what have you but then I really like I'm I'm so excited to get back on the M4 just to get back home because mm. it is it is a bit of a bubble it's it, but but yet we're so close to everything as well for being a, a buying agent um, and representing a, a customer, do you sort of help them through the other cogs that I, I've recently bought a, bought a property and there's a lot going on as a first time buyer um, <laughs> that you don't always know. And I suppose whilst you do do it more than once, it does become a little bit more familiar, but do you help with um, those other aspects um, such as maybe even uh, just advising on maybe um, what company might be good for legal representation yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always say to people that actually finding the house is the easy part. It's actually getting to an exchange of contracts that is the harder part. So I will help my clients with solicitors if they don't have one. I sort out, um, so I'll get two or three sisters quotes. Normally I'll get two or three surveyor quotes um, and then I put it into sister's hands and I basically um, touch base with sisters, you know, once a week at least just to make sure that everything is running as smoothly as it can be. So there's a process whereby contracts are received from the seller's side, you know, the buyer's side, we send off the searches, um, we wait for this to come back and you have to raise inquiries we get the survey done, we get a mortgage valuation. So it's all these little parts that all have to sort of come together before we exchange contracts. And sometimes with country houses, especially, I mean, it's different in, in London um, because, you know, all the houses are very similar on, on, on the same streets um, and titles aren't so complicated. And it, but, where, but the country houses are totally different. You have complicated titles. They sometimes they're not registered and, uh, all sorts of things that can, you know, uh, scupper, you know, a, a sale at the last minute. So it, yeah, it, it's it's a basically a hand holding process right through to exchange and then to completion. I wish I had a buying agent then. <laughs> <laughs> so do do you have to uh, deal with other things as well? So do some clients might come to you and say, "Hey, we want a house that we can just move into straight away," whereas others may come to you and go, "Hey, we're looking for a project." And then do you have to go and maybe help them with looking for contractors, designers, does stuff like that happen at all? Yeah, yeah, all the time. So I have different clients looking for different things in different areas. Um, so I have some clients who want, you know, um, a second home that's not too big. I've got some clients who want a primary home that's bigger. I've got clients who want to buy unconverted barns. I've got, I had a, an inquiry today actually from someone who just wants some land and they want to build a house. And there's elements to that as well. So it's, you know, do you want just the land with planning? Do you want to buy a house, uh, land without the planning? Uh, which is obviously riskier. Um, and then it's, you know, it, it's, all, it's obviously harder to find the land and the unconverted barns and to just find a normal residential house. Um, but I do all of all of that. Um, and then there's, you know, the farms side. So I bought um, two farms for um, some clients last year with lots of land. 
and um, there's a different element to dealing with a farm as well as to dealing with a you know just a country house with you know two, three, four, five acres or ten acres. Buying a farm with 150 plus acres is a different you know yeah. game as well. So. so um yeah so it's 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 really it's really interesting and the the two barns that i'm buying at the moment unconverted barns for clients for example you know there's covenants on them so you know we have to get around the covenants that have been put in place by the sellers and it's just yeah it can be a bit they can be deal breakers you know yeah so we sort of touched on it earlier when you said that you go to maybe six properties a day which is amazing but you know how much of that is your day going around and seeing properties versus dealing with contracts versus dealing with clients you must be really busy all the time well at the moment it's not so it's not as busy because there's so little stock so the market at the moment is like it's like a market i've never known um literally in 25 years i've never known a market like it so we've got really high demand really low stock so I'm not out as much in the car as I would normally be. Um, in a normal market, um, I'd be basically doing about 130 miles a day. So I cover all of the Cotswolds. I cover um, Oxfordshire, Gloucestershire and Wiltshire. So I can be up in Broadway and then down in Malmesbury, you know, <laughs> then another, you know, it's like I'm literally at different ends of the spectrum. And so um, I... The, the good thing about my job is I don't have a lot of paperwork, which is brilliant. <laughs> and um, I can make all the calls from my car, providing I've got good mobile phone service in the Cotswolds. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, you get to know which are the good spots and which are the bad spots. But, you know, I can ring solicitors from the car. I can do all of that sort of stuff. I can take. So basically the car is my office. Right. OK, so you don't actually have to deal with much paperwork then. Not really, no, because okay. everything is on a computer these days. Mm, very true. So, you know, it's not, I mean, when I started in a state agency in 98, 1998, I think it was, we had files, we had no computers, there was no <laughs> World Wide Web, and I had a phone, a box with my applicant cards in, and uh, a diary. <laughs> and and files and that was it and if you didn't pick up the phone to get your viewings you didn't you essentially didn't get the viewings and you wouldn't get paid you know wow. um now you've got you know your files on your computer and it's you know i have my notebook that is my my like my big thing is just my notepad with all my you know when a client rings me up i'll literally just be writing when i'm talking to them and um uh, other than that i i yeah i mean you know even my mileage i used to write all my mileages down in, in a little book <laughs> and now i've got an app for that so it's just yeah it's there's changed. not much paperwork yeah it's great so going back to the market and the way it is at the moment do you think covid's had a big impact maybe people moving out of the cities looking for more country in their life is, is that maybe what's happened yeah, I think a lot of that had a it had a huge impact on the market last year for sure. Um, I think people thought that you know they could basically work from home, so they all thought, well, well, you know, well, we'll buy a second house in the country. We'll we'll maybe make that our primary home, sell our London home, and then have like a pied a terre in London, so mm-hmm. that when they do 
do go back to the office, they're back maybe two or three days a week and not five days a week, but they'd be more in the country than in, in London. Mm. And I think we saw a lot of that last year. And a lot of that is still in place this year. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last because I think, you know, I think everyone was quite happy working at home last year. But I think I think don't know where the reality might set in and people might get a little bit bored of being at home all the time. And they may want to go back to work and back to the offices more and more. Um, but the Cotswolds has always been really popular. Um, I mean, even getting to London on the train from here, it's like an hour and a quarter. Is so if you don't, yeah, it wow. is. Yeah. So actually there's quite a lot of people who commute anyway on a daily basis from the Cotswolds to London. Oh, wow. I didn't realise that at all. I thought it would be much further than that. Yeah. I mean, we're an hour and a quarter um from as i say kemble into london is about an hour and a quarter into paddington oh wow okay so yeah. it's it's really quick i mean it's not the easiest it's not the you know you've still got to get to the train station which could be 20 minutes away but a lot of people do do it on a daily basis and i think that's why because we're so centrally based as well in the uk mm. you know we're close to birmingham we're close to bristol we're close to london we're very central and I think that's another reason why we're, we're quite popular. Um, the other reason we're really popular, I think, is because of the schools. They're really good schools here. So it attracts a lot of families. So we kind of talked about this off air a bit before we, uh, before we came on. But how can you actually become a buying agent? You know, you said a lot of people are self-employed, but then there's also, you know, estate agencies with buying arms to them or companies that are solely buyers. Yeah, so um, I'm, I've always been self-employed um, as a buying agent, but there are um, buying arms to um, larger agencies or there are larger agencies who are buying agents. Um, you don't specifically need any qualifications to become either an estate agent or a buying agent. Um, I did business and economics at university and two weeks after university, I went into my first job in London as, as, as an estate agency, but my university degree didn't come into play at all. Mm. Um, you can get further qualifications um, in the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors um, and you could, you could progress with, with those sorts of qualifications, I suppose, but I've never needed to and I'm sure lots of other people don't need to but I think the, the the best qualification is actually to be in the industry and to start you know like I did maybe on the selling side and get to know your trade and and then you know you can either stay as a selling agent or go into buying agency but you yeah yeah but it, I think working on the ground is the best way to sometimes just get the experience that you need. So how do buying agents actually earn their money? Because everyone knows how estate agents earn their money. But how does a buying agent, how does it work? Is it like a percentage of the of the property's value or is it a fee? Or Yeah, so just as it is on the selling side, whereby the sellers pay the estate agents a percentage of the, the price of the house, it's exactly the same on the buying side. So we charge a fee to the buyer of the, it's a percentage of the purchase price of the house okay sorry. yeah and uh, uh, oh sorry please 
No, no, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's 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 the that's the, the the bulk of your fee. We also charge an upfront retainer as well. So, um, in order to, to take on a client, so that a so that we know the client is serious at wanting to find something, but we also take a retainer because we try not to take on conflicting clients. Mm. So I will have one client looking in one area in one budget, not two, because then if I hear of a, a house off market. I couldn't tell both clients if that makes sense about the house because if they both went to see it and they both liked it and they both wanted to offer, I'd be conflicted as to who to act for. It'd be very unethical because they'd push the price up and then your 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 percentage would go up. <laughs> well, it's not, I mean, it's just a conflict of interest. Yeah, so, of course, yeah. So we just take a retainer just to stop us from taking on other clients looking for the same thing. Yeah. And what personality traits would you say a buying agent would have um, where it would really help them thrive? Oh, gosh. I think you need to be able to um, communicate well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I think also to communicate well at, at all sorts of different levels. So, you know, I have clients who are in their 20s and 30s and I have clients who are in their 80s. And I think you have to just be able to get on to people's levels if that makes sense yeah Uh, so I think that's really important I think you need to be quite patient um and I think you need to have a a, you know a good level of sort of being a just some negotiating skills because I think it's all about negotiations at the end of the day there's always a solution there's finding solutions negotiating communicating I think especially when you're buying a house or selling a house um and you know you've been through that process you know if you don't get that call to say this is happening or that's happening you start to get agitated because it's a it's a really emotional process and you're spending the most money you'll probably ever spend in your life yeah the last thing you want is to um not have communication from someone telling you what's going on if things aren't going the right way so I think it's always better to communicate something as, as opposed to nothing. So I think communicating and being able to speak to your clients or to whoever you need to speak to is probably the most important thing. Mm. And for you, what has been the biggest positive of your time working as a buying agent? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think I've worked for bigger companies and I love them because you know, you, you're in an office environment and there's banter and, mm. you know, you're seeing people every day and you've got people in chat and you've got your friends. I think for me, you know, when I had um, children, it became, as a woman, for me, it became a bit difficult because I couldn't hold, you know, a, a, a sort of eight or six job when I had young kids, which is when I went onto the buying side, um, self-employed. And so what it gave me was, I suppose, that um, that time to be able to organize my time to be with my children a bit more. So if I could do my viewings in the day whilst the kids were at nursery, I could then pick them up at three o'clock and come home and do tea or whatever. Um, so it gave me that flexibility as a mother. Now the kids are older, I seem to be working more and more and more, but it's still you're your own boss so it gives me that flexibility to go away when I want to I don't have to ask anyone um and yeah it's 
you're just your own your own person I'm a bit of a control freak so you know people come to me for for me as well in my job and um but yeah I think it's more it's 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 having that flexibility to to do what you need to do and to create your own diary and yeah be flexible do you have um sort of larger um building developer or property developers come to you as well um outside of just normal people selling on their houses um yes i do um but i don't tend to take on developers as clients okay um i i think that the the thing with the developer i mean i you know i I started in the state agency because I loved houses and I'd bought a couple of houses and I developed them. And I suppose I'd had that love of houses before I went into a state agency. Um, and 25 years ago, when, when you could buy a house and basically do it up and put it back on the market and make good money, those days have gone. So I think developers have this sort of idea that they're going to make lots of money. And I think the problem at the moment is, is that houses are priced for end users more so than developers so finding the right thing for a developer or for bigger developers is 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 harder i think there's the commercial element involved in that as well which i don't tend to get too involved in i like to deal with like nice people who you know want to come out of london or you know yeah. have their families yeah it's and it it's more personal you create you forge really lovely relationships with people on the buying side more so I think than the selling side um you know I've got clients who I bought for six seven years ago and we're still friends and we go for lunch still and you know we still meet up and yeah it's great that actually brings us nicely into how do you kind of go about building your client base, building your network, um, marketing? You know, you've got a really good Instagram page, which is like if you're addicted to Cotswolds houses like I am, it's uh, it's a good one to follow. But how, how do you go about doing all those sort of elements that I'd imagine are pretty crucial to being a buying agent? Well, um, on the marketing side, it's really just um, it's really just my Instagram page um i i don't do any other marketing other than a couple of um local uh magazines and that's just to support um the local um people who i advertise in um but it's you know the the marketing's i mean really my my recommendations come from either my old clients and i think you know, word of mouth is the best form of marketing, I think, in, in our business or maybe in any business, really. I don't know. When someone's recommended, it's always just a lovely, lovely thing. Um, agents recommend me as well. So the selling agents will tell um, buyers who get in contact with them to, to, to come to me to, for help as well. So there's, I suppose, there's, uh, the, there's that element. So the, it's, it's, it's ex-clients, it's agents who I've dealt with over the last 17 years. And I suppose my, my Instagram as well and my website. I mean, it's amazing actually how much traffic my website um, gets to me. I think because I chose the name Cotswold Buying Agent, if someone Googles buying you agent. That. You yeah. own Cotswold Buying Agent. How did you get that? I don't know. Oh my word. No one else chose it. So I 
when I decided to, to do this, I thought, well, what, you know, what am I? Well, I am going to be a Cotswold buying agent. So I, that, you know, and so when people Google buying agent in the Cotswolds or Cotswolds buying agent, I come up. So I, that my website comes up and I, <laughs> I get, quite, I get quite a lot of traffic that way. That is a so, result. Yeah. My name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for you, what would be some of the negatives or less favorable aspects of this industry? Oh, there aren't really many negatives. I think, you know, the only, you know, it can be stressful, like with any job. And that's always, you know, that's always negative. If you take on too much work and you can't, you know, you can't give your clients all the attention that they really need. So I try really hard not to take on too many clients. But the, I suppose the only negative for me, and I was discussing I think I mentioned it brief, briefly to Daniel before was that you know if someone decides that they don't want to buy a house you have to have that conversation with the selling agent or the seller and that's never a nice conversation to have because you know they're obviously wanting to sell the house and for some reason or another and sometimes they're very valid reasons you know my client doesn't want to proceed with that sale or that purchase I should say and so that for me that's always the worst part if someone is withdrawing from the purchase and I have to inform somebody else of that that's never a nice phone call that's my most negative part of my job I think which doesn't sound too bad does it no it's all right (laughs) Um, so we always like to touch on on salary and when we talk with self-employed people we feel it's always um pertinent to say that if you're self-employed it's up to you really how much you earn how uh, how busy you are how hard you work all things like that um but it's fair to say you know in the world of buying agent you can make a, a, a good salary yeah i think you can i think you've got to be good at your job um i think you need to know what you're doing i mean i have been doing you know, I've been buying for nearly 13 years. And before that, I was obviously on the selling side. So I've worked my way up to it. Um, and, you know, it, state agency is, is, is also it's great fun to, to, to be to be to be in, um, you know, for for anyone starting out, I think, you know, I would I would definitely go into state agency first and the salaries. The salaries and, and that and also, you you know, you do get an income, you do get a salary, you know where your money is coming from every month. Mm. Whereas when I, you know, when I went into when I went into the buying side as, as a woman as well, I suppose it's maybe a bit easier because I have a husband who has an income, too. Um, but as a male going into uh, the buying side as a self-employed person, it's it's difficult to begin with, because, you know, your fees are very feast or famine, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, I know. So you have one fee coming in, and that might last you for three or four months, but then you don't know where the next one's coming from, unless you have a good build-up of clients, which is why it's good to maybe get, start out, you know, in a in a bigger company first with a, a salary, and that way you know where you're where you're monthly you know money is going to come from yeah and uh what would be something that's just not in the job description something you never expected to uh have to deal with as a as a buyer or a buying agent sorry oh um (laughs) 
gosh, what's in my job description? I mean, I ended up actually really recently, <laughs> I ended up unloading one of my clients' lorries with them <laughs> on, on their move in. So um, we, my car got stuck in the driveway and they couldn't get the lorry around the bend. Oh, no. <laughs> and so we basically had to empty the lorry to then reverse it back down this steep drive, which they didn't want to do with all their stuff in it. So I just said, look, leave my car on the drive, leave the lorry where it is. And we maneuvered around this lorry to try and get to the back of it. And we had to just unload it before we could reverse it back out and I could get my car out. I mean, that's not in my job description, <laughs> unloading someone's furniture. No, but that, that that's the first time that's happened in you know 13 years um but there's not I mean you know I'm really I'm all about the clients you know um you know even after um we've completed on a house my clients will whatsapp me about you know do you know a painter do you know an electrician do you know a plumber do you know this do you know that and I'm all into, you know, we can, into, we can, I mean, it, the, the, the whole sort of property thing continues after completion. If the house needs work, it's about builders and two designers and garden designers. So I'm always about just servicing the client and giving them the best they can possibly have. And if that's not, and if, you know, when they finish with me, then I will put them into whatever other you know, industries they need, whether it's a plumber or electrician after, as long as they have good people around them. And, and so when it comes to me doing stuff out of my job description, I'm, I'm like, well, if it help, if it makes them happy for it, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Yeah, definitely. I, I love what I do. I've always loved everything to do with houses, you know, we buy and sell houses and try and do them up over like five to 10 years. And, you know, so I've built up a really good sort of black book of people who, you know, I recommend, I use, um, I love, I love everything about houses. So, yeah. And I've loved the fact that I've had the flexibility and I've been able to, you know, run my own diary always and see lots of lovely properties and meet lovely people not always lovely but you know on the whole lovely people um yeah it's been it's been great i i would i would recommend it definitely it does sound really good and thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us today thank you so much for having me guys it's been a real pleasure oh thank you and um where can people find you well, um, my website is uh, www.cotswoldbuyingagent.co.uk. And then I'm on Instagram as well, um, uh, Cotswold Buying Agent. It's, I'm really easy to find. Um, um, yeah, that's probably – I'm on Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm pretty easy to find. Just Google me. Brilliant. Well, thank you again for coming on, Sam. That's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.